Um, hi guys, I am delighted to sit here with Steph, a longtime friend in Singapore currently. I'm in Hong Kong on her podcast, Arch Conversations. Let's go, yeah. y'all. And yeah, I'm excited to be here. Hi, Lindsay. And Lindsay is from Yardbird. And what other brands do you have under your sleeve? We have Yardbird, Hong Kong, Ronin, Sunday's, Sunday's Grocery, Spirits, Distribution. Uh, we have a digital agency called Hecho which I'm about to change the name of. So it might be irrelevant by the time this goes live, but either way you can find it all on social media. Yeah. And we're here to talk about, I think I'm here to talk about, uh, you know, building Yardbird as a brand, um, maybe telling the story a little differently than it's been told before. Um, also being a mom and doing 8 million things and still wanting to do more. Yeah. And I think maybe just talking to you, cause I feel like you have a very similar life that I do I think uh, personally, so. professionally. I'm not successful in business, <laughs> but I, I, I think so. <laughs> I mean, to me, it's not about success. I don't measure anything by success. I mean, of course you have to put food on the table, but I think it's more about like that drive and the ability to execute without yep. measuring yourself too much along the way. Yes, I agree. So do you want to give a brief introduction into Yardbird and what it is? Yeah, so Yardbird Hong Kong, I have to, forgive me, I have to call it Yardbird Hong Kong for legal reasons, which yeah. would be a whole other podcast. Um, Yardbird Hong Kong is turning 10 next year, which is really, really crazy. Um, not crazy because like, wow, look at us, like applaud, but I think crazy because it really marks a milestone of like, holy crap, when I was 29, like I didn't even think about the next year, you know? I didn't even know that I was gonna stay in Hong Kong. And, you know, now you fast forward 10 years later and you get to reflect on all the things that you've done over those 10 years. And then you're kind of like, oh my God, 10 years just went by so quickly. Like there's so many other things that I still want to do. Yeah. Um, so anyway, Yardbird is a modern Japanese izakaya uh, with a focus on yakitori, which is, uh, which is chicken. Um, I come from a hospitality background mm -hmm. and my, my biggest, I feel like my biggest career achievement prior to being my own business owner was working for Nobu uh, in New York for quite a while. And that elevated level of Japanese food and dining, it just, it, it stole my heart and my brain and everything. And I really just fell in love with it. And my business partner, who is the chef, um, he was also working at a very high-end luxury Japanese restaurant and it was serendipitous that we both ended up there um, 
And so when we were concepting our restaurant, which we had done for years prior to even being in New York or being in those, in those Japanese jobs, Japanese restaurant jobs, it was always focused around the experience and like having a good time and sort of creating an environment that felt like you were at home with obviously elements that were elevated like service and food and all that kind of stuff. And so when we got to Hong Kong after Matt, that's his name, completed his contract at the job that we actually moved here for, and we were ready to open our own spot, we had been writing the business plan for Yardbird already. I mean, for years. I think I wrote it, I started writing it in 2007, 2008. That's like the first draft I have. And we opened in 2011. And we were basically just pairing our experience in fine dining with a food like yakitori, which is extremely casual and like an izakaya experience, which is just like food and drink in equal parts. You know, like if you don't leave drunk, then they didn't do their job. <laughs> I mean, if you're sober, that's totally fine. But generally speaking, you know, you go to Japan or you go to any authentic izakaya and it's like just rowdy in the yeah. best way. Like you just, you leave, you're having the best time. Um, and so that's just what we wanted to, to create because that's what we always gravitated towards on our days off. You know, when we traveled, it was trying to, you just love that experience. I think loving Japan is also a layer to that. So all of Yardbirds like that, Ronin is also like that, even though it's a little bit more, um, it's a little bit more premium in experience. It's quieter, you know, it's a set menu. It's, you know, more, I don't want to say there's more attention to detail, but I guess it's like a slower pace. Yeah. But the, the approach is the same. Um, you know, and then that led us to our Sunday's brand again, because of legal reasons with Yardbird, we had to change the name of, we were making sake and then we were making coffee shochu and now we make Japanese whiskey. And so basically we opened Sundays, which is our daughter's middle name, which is a whole other story as well. Um, basically to not get around, but to not have to deal with intellectual property issues like forever and ever. And so Sunday's Spirits and Sunday's Grocery is also Japanese-focused beverage. And we just successfully launched our whiskey globally, which is literally amazing, but it took us literally five years, like painstaking. Yeah. So it's a it, everything has been a labor of love, um, but I'm very proud of our team for sustaining these brands for this long. Okay, so do you want to talk about the, you were, you said, you, you spoke a little bit about like writing the business plan and stuff like that and the ideation. Um, was that your, was that the ideation process? Like having like worked in those few restaurants and, you know, and trying to bring all those things together? Yeah, I think because, you know, I grew up in a restaurant, but it, it literally was uh, your typical like, Canadian Chinese immigrant restaurant 
you know, like, like westernized Cantonese food, mm-hmm. which ironically now living in Hong Kong, like I miss, you know, I miss the lemon chicken and the, all the other shit that they would make up. Um, so like I, I knew very intimately the restaurant business from that side of like super casual, like you're just feeding people, it's takeout. I didn't really know the glamorous side of it, you know, like, you know, Midtown New York, celebrity, VIP, politician. And I, I was never enamored or like allured by that side, but I will say that once I, once those doors opened, I was, I felt like I had walked into a different dimension. Like it was just something I'd never experienced before. I grew up in, in Alberta, in Canada, where that just doesn't exist, you know? And most, most of those experiences, albeit they're growing now, like it's easier now to find these kinds of experiences, but like, you don't really find fine dining outside of like key cities or cities with like a lot of affluence or a lot of, you know, white collar business. Mm -hmm. And so that was, it was just incredibly eye opening to me. And so during that time, this was like early two thousands, um, Matt and I had this really good friend and he was like the bartender at this amazing wine bar right below our apartment. Um, in like Soho and we would literally go and like drink wine with him after our shifts and like have, uh, you know, an Italian panini or whatever he was making that day. And, you know, he was also, he's probably our age. He was also in his, uh, like starting his journey of opening his own bar. Mm-hmm. And so he was writing his own business plan to open his own bar in Brooklyn. And he had, he physically had a business plan like printed out in like one of those, I don't even know what you call them anymore, like plastic. You have to like tighten the three things. And he showed it to me and I was just, I was like, oh my God, I've never seen, like I should rewind. Like in school, I, you know, I was a science major. I studied French. I went to art school. I went to theater school. I never finished anything. I don't have a college degree. Um, I was an honor student in high school, but I was, school was not for me. I didn't feel like being institutionalized for another like four years. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have a clear vision of being like a doctor or a lawyer or something like that. So it just seemed like a waste of time to not go out and experience life instead of, go to college for four years studying something that I don't even care about. And so that being said, when I saw this business plan, I had never seen anything like I hadn't seen a restaurant or a food and beverage venue structured like that, like Mm -hmm. on paper, right? Like you don't really think about restaurants as something being overly articulated in like a word document. Mm-hmm. So as soon as I had that in my hands, I realized very quickly that this is what I had to build in order for us to like either raise capital, also something I knew nothing about, and just put an idea down on paper so that everyone knows what we're trying to build. And so I took that business plan. He let me take it. He gave me a copy. And I just basically followed it like a template like paragraph for paragraph. 
I just co I copied the format. I explained what he was explaining about how it felt when you walked in there and how the menu would be curated and how how the music would be playing and like every single detail we, I went through and then I, I put it on paper. Um, and that was the ideation part. And it's so romantic to me because, you know, now that I've built God knows how many business plans, you know, over the years and helped other people write them, I still actually use that template. And of course it looks like a deck now and it's not like a word document, but that has been like the backbone of every single business plan I've written. Um, and I read that one, I still have it. And sometimes I look at it and I'm like, everything that we wrote about how it would be is exactly how it still is. Amazing. And I don't, I don't think that hasn't happened to me since. Like that's, it's a diamond in the rough. I, I don't know how, I think that's why it's so special. Next like year, it's so next, special. In your 10th year, you should do like the Yardbird 10 year book. And then, <laughs> yes. and then that could be like scanned. But, I'll publish the business plan. Yeah. I mean, quite honestly, I'm like, wow, we really like, we really stuck to what we believed in and we built it exactly the way we wanted it to be. And, honestly, and I don't think, yeah. Quite a few um, restaurant business owners and it's really not like for me when I started it, it was very like, I like this and I'm passionate about it. So I'm going to do it. But it was not so structured. And then you realize along the way that you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. And you keep changing and you end up spending more money and you keep changing the branding to suit the people. Yeah. You find what you really want and the direction that you really want. So I think like for you guys, cause you, how many years you said in 20, 2007, you conceptualized? Yeah, yeah, probably. To the point of opening, you guys really put in your homework. And yeah, I mean, and it was constantly tweaked. It was gonna be, it was first gonna be in Vancouver. I'd written it for Gastown in Vancouver. And then we know we met an investor along the way and then we were sort of swayed to stay in Hong Kong. Obviously that was a great choice. Yeah. Um, and then I had to rewrite it for Hong Kong, but the only thing that we really, really was like rewritten was potentially like describing why we chose that neighborhood or, mm -hmm. you know, to, to be honest, the rest of it didn't change much. Like we could open it anywhere. It's like an in and out, you know, like, they look the same as yes. copy paste. I mean, that's the dream. It, the thing that we didn't consider. Um, so, and we actually, I forgot. We just had, we opened a new concept in June, which is rotisserie chicken. Um, and it's so honestly, like, it's so delicious. I often like, I crave that more than I do Yardbird now, but that's also cause I'm just Yardbird. I don't know. It's been so many years. <laughs> But so Yardbird, you know, we, we had aspirations to expand it. Um, actually, you know, we were opening in LA supposed to open last year and then all of this happened. Yeah. And so I think, you know, we were going to move there. It, Yardbird is such a labor intensive concept. Like the chickens are killed every morning and they're cut into thousands of pieces and skewered individually every single day. 
you know, there's nothing simple about it. There's nothing simple about it. And to replicate that, it takes an army. So like, you know, you start looking at costs and labor costs and all these, you know, just the mistakes that can happen along the way if, if you're not at the restaurant all the time or at least have like someone you trust there. Yeah. And it becomes scary to let that go, even though you know that you have to in order to grow. And so I think having LA be sort of put on the back burner for now has been a blessing because I can't even imagine the stress that I would be enduring right now if we were opening open in downtown LA, like yeah. right now. Yeah. I, I would have been like, what the hell? Like, why did I need to do this? Why didn't I just stay in Hong Kong? Why do I have to keep like, doing something new and like being uncomfortable. Um, but that's also part of my personality. So. Okay. Yeah. Wait, I need to go back to my notes. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. That was the ideation process and I'm really glad that you're very thorough. Um, how about diversification? Because I know that it was the Arbor brand and that took X number of years and then now you have like all these other brands. At which point did you feel like you wanted to diversify and, you know, was that an easy journey for you? Mm, I mean, I think most, most business owners or entrepreneurs or anyone, I guess, who has like done one thing and it was like, surprisingly successful and somewhat enjoyable and somewhat, I don't want to say easy cause it's not easy, but like, you know, you kind of figured it out and you're like, Oh wow, I can do this. Like you have this sort of vote of confidence. I don't yeah. want to see air say arrogance cause that sounds negative, but like, you know, you're like, okay, well like I got this, like, I know how to do this. Mm -hmm. Let's do it again. Mm -hmm. Um, and that happened about a year after we opened Yardbird. We were like, oh yeah, like let's do another concept. And Matt, even though like Yakitori is, you know, his passion and everything, he did, he worked for Masa in New York for a while. And, you know, Masa is, pro is definitely like his mentor. Like he learned everything from that man. And that's, you know, he just... He, that, not that we credit Masa for, for everything, but like that is what showed Matt like what his passion for cooking really was. Mm -hmm. And so there was always this part, I think, where, and you know, Masa is all seafood, right? Sushi, I mean, Bar Masa has like more smaller plates. And so I think there was always a part of Matt that wanted that like small counter more Japanese experience. I mean, we had our izakaya, so maybe now, I don't even know, I can't tell you what it was because this is the mistake we made with Ronin that we didn't write that plan. Like we didn't take the time to articulate what it was supposed to be and what it meant to us. Mm -hmm. um, it wasn't expansion for expansion, but it was, it was expansion without true purpose. Like we didn't really have an idea. And so quite honestly, like, even though from a, I guess a consumer facing side, it was successful and we were busy and the food was amazing. 
you know, we hadn't worked through the PL and the forecasts. And like, quite honestly, Yardberg took care of Ronin from a financial standpoint for almost a year and a half. And it's, it's okay. Cause it's like all the same company, but, but it's not, you know, like there is when something doesn't do as well as you think it should, then you play the blame game, right? When something is wildly successful and like there's nothing, you know, money's coming in and profits are great. Everyone's like happy and everyone's doing the best job. There's nothing to really like point fingers about. Yep. But when it's not going that way, it's, it causes obviously like, you know, like you're blame, you want someone to blame. Yeah. And so we spent a good two years sort of, sort of like figuring out what Ronin was, but it was just not the smart way to do it. You know, we should have figured out what it was before we opened it. Yep. And so, you know, it's fine. It's great now. It's totally, you know, sustainable. We have the best team. It, it actually, it's almost, it's like our little, it's like our child that gets better with age. Mm-hmm. Like every year it gets better. You know, the, the, the chefs become more comfortable with, with the cuisine and the team becomes more comfortable with the clientele. And it, it just has become its own, like, its own thing and i i'm not even a huge part of it like the, it's just a small team and i you know i watch from afar and obviously i take care of like the communications and stuff but it's really become it's a beautiful little ecosystem that they have mm-hmm. um so would you say you did it to because my way was the second the ronin way well not quite where ronin is today but like in that sense going into it blindly with a passion versus Yarba, which was very well planned out. So you did kind of like both sides of the coin. Yeah. You know, it depends on what your, it depends on what your cash flow situation is. Yeah. Because like, if I, you know, even with Miss Bish, which was the editorial platform that I had that went into product. Yeah. I remember that one. Yeah. And it was, I loved it. You know, it was such a yeah. great, five years um you know and we raised a sufficient amount of capital and it was it was it was good it was a healthy little business but because you know digital media and like launching apparel you need a lot of you don't need a lot of resources you know it's not easy and i i think the bottom line is like you know, how, how are you capitalizing your business? And if you are able to, and like, that's not necessarily, you know, if you have a fantastic property deal, you know, or you you have a great landlord, or maybe you own the building, whatever, then I think you have more flexibility. Slowly grow, slowly get to learn how to grow versus like something like Mishbish, which is like, constantly like you has to make you have to make it work you know um and i would assume that yeah you started like you it was make or break with that one concept yeah yeah i mean nowadays i look at now i look at everything that way though you know like everything needs to even if you're not going to be profitable for like three, like with the whiskey business, as an example, that's much more of a growth business versus profitability. Like 
like we are going to spend money to grow that business and get it to a volume and then it's worth more obviously because that's also like an exit business you know you hope to sell it to Bacardi, Diageo, LVMH, whatever yeah. and so that that trajectory of like really maybe not being profitable for two or three years it's so much different than like a cash flow based business like a restaurant I like you have to pay your electricity bills and your labor costs mm. and your food bills. You know what I mean? So I, I've learned a lot about the different types of business and how you would structure taking money, making money, like all those things. I think a good it's not my favorite part. I think a good takeaway from literally what all you just said is to constantly keep growing with your business and not getting complacent with one and starting another and then starting another and not growing together with that, right? Yeah. Can we learn from your mistakes as well and not let them just, yes. just wallow and like, fuck this, you know, like just to just like, <laughs> no, renew the energy and move on. Yeah. I mean, there's no time to wallow if you're trying to figure it out. Right. That's true. Entrepreneurial spirit. Um, with that said, that's ideation, diversification, expansion. I'm, I think, I mean, I know that you and your partner were together, like actual, how do I label this? Romantic. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Romantic. <laughs> and then you guys split up. Mm, I think it's something very, very important for people to understand that you can, I think people are also curious, like, do you guys actually work well together? Is it all a facade? You know, like, how is that partnership? Like, from your perspective, truly your perspective, how is that worked out for you? Yeah. How, what were the challenges involved? Um, I mean, I will say it's definitely one of the proudest things that I hold. In the fact that, like, we've known each other since we were 17. And so that's, we're, we're both 39 this year. So that's quite a long time. Yeah. Um, and we've gone through all kinds of like, you know, different iterations of our relationship over the last 22, 21 years. Um, you know, and I think what I realized is that you can't put all of your expectations into one person, like one person cannot be your lover, your best friend, your business partner, your co-parent, your, you know what I mean? Like it's, that doesn't make sense. How, how can you, it, putting that expectation on a relationship, it's doomed to fail. Yeah, and so I will definitely credit, like we split up six months after Yardbird opened mm -hmm. and our second child, Ronan, was six months old so we split up lily was three ronan was zero like six months and our business was six months old as well and so we were it was a really i guess messy year because you know we were celebrating constantly like working in this restaurant you know and the old yard bird we've moved but the old one was so tiny and so I've you know yeah then you so you remember like you're literally just like packed into this space and we had to you know and then you add alcohol to that right so you it's just like so much um 
so much going on in a small space. But for the most part, I would say we handled it very well. Like we didn't bring it into the restaurant, even though obviously everyone knew what was going on. Like we weren't hiding anything, but we never made our relationship a focus. We still don't. Um, and then, you know, things, everything gets easier with time. Everything. Like, I don't think there's anything in the world that doesn't get better, like doesn't heal with time passing. And at the core of it all, you know, Matt and I have a very clear vision of what we want in life. And I think you start there and it just trickles down to everything else. Like we, we have the same views on parenting. We have the same views on our business. Of course we argue, like, of course we think different things about certain things, but when it comes to like the core values of who we are and where we work from, where we make decisions from, you know, we've always been very much on the same page. Thank you. Uh, yeah, yes. And I, I don't think that we would have gone into business together, like, um, had we not started in that place. I think the same. And now it's easy. Yeah. With kids, I think you wouldn't have had kids with this person if, you know, you didn't hold the same values. No, absolutely. Like we actually, when we first met, you know, in 1999, we were just friends, but we were talking about how we would raise our children, not even our children together, but just in general. And it was very like nomadic. I remember using that word and like global. And like in 1999 as a 17-year-old, like global was not really a word, you know? Now everyone talks about globalization, but that wasn't what it was. And so I, I, I think we just, we, um, we've managed to grow together, but apart, you yeah. know, like yeah, yeah. we're, we're totally different people. Yeah. I think um, just for me to add on, because for me, I had a kid um, with a guy, um, my ex-partner as well. And then he kind of bounced when she turned two, like literally a day after she turned two. And that was three and three years and nine months ago. And then he suddenly reappeared out of the recently place. right yeah, very recently and i mean like you said time heals everything but i need to add on this sentence only if you will it to you know like time yeah. anything if you're working towards that healing if you want for that healing um yeah you're still a negative person you're angry at the world you're angry at everybody and you're projecting that time will not help you you need to first help yourself so in yeah. that time that he had disappeared um i had totally forgiven him, gotten over all that anger that I had guilt in myself for him leaving as well, the resentment, all of that. So when he had come back, I think, as you said, when I chose to have the kid with him, I always knew like, we're not married. This person could ghost at any time, you know, like, thankfully I'm financially apt to raise a child on my own, just in case. Yeah. And so I know that this person is like, his principles are aligned at least at the very Yeah. Least. Yeah. So even when he had ghosted, to be honest with you, I never expected him to come back. After two years, I was just like, you know what? It's better to think of him as dead than have this expectation of maybe a return. Um, but when he did return, it just felt like yesterday. You know, it felt like, okay, here's my soulmate. He's back in my life. It is not romantic. It will never be romantic because there are obvious yeah. wounds and scars that are there. 
that I'm over, but yeah. I'm not ready to be, you know, go back there because I feel like a very different and much more stronger person today. Um, yeah. To co-parent in that way, I think I understand exactly what you're saying, that you're working towards that goal and then it will trickle down to like when it comes down to parenting styles and all that, um, or even like picking a school, you know, like why is she eating this or why is she doing yeah. that stuff? It's all quite easy. I mean, it's not, you know, but it's all relatively easy um, comparing that to staying or forcing us to be together and not happy. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I never got married either. Um, yeah. And I'm not sure if that's just like my personality but I'm like you, it's like, I can, you know, Matt would never like leave. Maybe he would, but it's not his personality. But I think like, I'm always ready. Like I'm ready. I can take care of my kids by myself. if I have to financially, emotionally, the whole thing. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's, it's my core being to be independent. Yes. Um, and I don't know if that's the best thing, you know, like I'm sure that's also hindered some relationships in my life. Um, 100%, 100%. Also because I feel like, I mean, I'm, I truly believe in the work in progress thing. Like every day is work in progress, you know, every day learning. And honestly, the good thing that came out of coronavirus was me coming out of my shell one more time, like, you know, again, learning how to grow and um, just learning about yourself and learning through your mistakes as what you've mentioned through your business. I feel like through business, yeah. through relationships, as long as you keep growing and not looking back in regret, then you'll always be the best version of yourself as cliche as that may sound. Yeah. I feel like I agree. And like really not being angry. Yeah. I mean, I feel like a lot of people say this stuff, you know, like I need to get off social yeah. media to have wellness and all this and all that. But you really need to practice it. You need to actually yeah. what you're saying and not just reading it on, on social media and just pressing a like button because it doesn't do anything. Yeah. Yeah. No. No, for sure. It doesn't. I mean, social media has introduced a whole new dimension. It's a, it's a plethora of like <laughs> of garbage. Well, it's garbage. It's narcissism. Yeah. It's also like, wow, there are these designers who have never known halfway across the world. Yeah. It's it's a plethora of like it's a Pandora's box, basically. Yeah. You can you can you, as long as you know how to use it, right? And you know when to shut it off and you know what, what's real and what isn't. Like that's that's the interesting thing. And I know your daughter is four now, five? Six. Six, yeah. Mm. So like it's not long like my daughter's 12 and what she sees like I mean she's not stupid but at the same time sometimes like when what all you've grown up with yeah is what yeah, like all she looks at I'm like you know that's not real like that has been photoshopped or like that's not real yeah. and and I think like if you grow up only seeing these like oh, if you grow up with social media you don't really have a base reference for what was real before this is us going into the next topic which is the mom life and this is very relevant that you brought this up because i've thought about it like the current idols i'm not saying there's anything wrong with it it just is what it is we live in 2020 2021 the current idols that are the younger generation type of idols um are not what i grew up with. it's not what you grew up with and i'm worried yeah. about 
was growing up in that way and I and I realized at some point that to be honest it's the direction that you give them at home and the nurturing that you bring them up with at some point I did I even shut down my Instagram just because I was afraid because there were people like randomly taking videos of my daughter putting it on Instagram and tagging me and I didn't even realize that someone had taken a video of her but they recognized her you know and I was afraid I was yeah, like, yeah 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 obviously it's my top priority like what if someone just kidnapped her because she knows who I am you know like and I and then obviously my overthinking made me like and take <laughs> like shut this Instagram off which is why I deleted it before but and then made it private like numerous times. And it's always this overthinking anxiety, which is another topic by itself. I think her, like letting your child understand, I think moms should know this, understand that. And moms themselves should understand that it's not real. You know, um, my child is yeah. media a lot, yes. She doesn't really know what Instagram is, she's six. But at the same time, like as you bring them, as you nurture them, like please let them understand that what's real, what's fake is very important, you know. Yeah, and I think like there, the level of augmentation that is accessible is so new. Like, you know, obviously there's all these digital tools to make you look however you want, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, obviously there's also doctors and not doctors who will do anything you want to you. You know what I mean? Like, that was not so accessible before. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. How do you manage all of that? Because it seems like through your Instagram that you're doing a lot every day. Like how? And and I still see a lot of your kids on your thing. So, I mean, I don't want to be one of those people who just judges. Is that all your day? Like you know, you if only if you post. Yeah, work, yeah, yeah. If only if you post your kids means you spend time with kids. I don't want to be one of those. Right, people. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to know like how. No the work-life balance thing and the kids thing i mean i'm quite lucky first of all they're in full-time well they were in full-time school they are now but like besides covid they're in school right like monday to friday all day um and then they have after school activities so like really they're gone from like 7 30 in the morning till dinner um which gives me a lot of time to yeah work and do what I need to do um and then the good thing is that because Matt and I split up so early on in the restaurants and in their lives right they don't remember us even being together oh okay and so obviously both of us have gone through like subsequent relationships and all that kind of stuff but we've always we've always um split them half and half so like they'll spend three days with me and then they spend three days with Matt and you know, they go back and forth. And if one of us is traveling for longer, no big deal. We just keep them longer, but they've always very much been democratically split between us, which means that when yeah. I'm home homes, that kind of thing. Yeah. 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 Matt actually just moved like close to me two months ago, which has been like a game changer in the best way. Um, like now my kids can just walk back and forth yeah, that's but right. so but since the beginning i always had like three days off you know like most moms dads get all the time off they want you know that's the that's the real like it, the moms are always supposed to be like they're the first ones that have to be responsible right they're the ones that have to off. right <laughs> mine just took off <laughs> yeah 
He had a huge fucking break. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, so like I, you know, most parents, they don't get like, they don't get like three days off in a row no. to just do it, like to live like a single person, you know? So I really get spoiled because I have so much of, I have so much freedom yeah. in my own time. And because, you know, we grow, we have restaurants as a business, we've never had this like strict, um, like we have to sit down for dinner together. Mm-hmm. And of course we eat dinner together and that's a pleasure and a luxury, but it's also like, my kids are extremely mature and understanding of like the schedules that we have to keep, you know, like they know that like really sometimes we have to go out and we have to be at the restaurant and we have to go to events and it's late night and they're not like, they're not sitting at home, like crying, like, come like they, they understand, they understand the business we're in. And you know, if they forget sometimes it's a very quick, like, the life that you get to have is like, this is our job, you know, this is work. So like, that's what it is and suck it up basically. Amazing. And would you like to share, like when I think about you, I think you have a multifaceted life, so to speak, right. Managing different brands, having two teenager kids, um, and the yoga thing on the side and a million other things in your mind what would you say inspires you? Um, or what helps? so many things, but because I can imagine like, even for me, I get pulled apart and sometimes I'm just like creatively blocked or mentally just blocked. Cause you have so many. Yeah. You know what? It used to be travel. Like I used to be on an airplane, like, or at least travel at least twice a month, sometimes more. And during that time, I felt like it was the best thing. It was what I needed to do to be creative, to connect with people in different places, to make sure I knew what was going on in different cities. And like, I don't know, there was just this, I, it was amazing. You got to sort of feel like you, I used to go to Korea a lot, LA, New York, um, and like Japan and I could actually feel like I knew those places mm-hmm. you know like it wasn't like a it wasn't like a vacation it was like okay like I fully know like I know I know my way around LA you know I'm eventually gonna move here and you're like cultivating those relationships because that's where you're gonna you know build your new life or your next life not your new one and then when we got grounded with COVID um like it was also a great opportunity to just be still and to focus on what you have and to audit your not only your businesses but your personal life you know like who do you want to stay in touch with who do you want to connect with who are you going to allocate that time to not just because you're there and you have time to fill but because you actually intentionally want to like speak to somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, so now my inspiration is coming from like looking inward also at our businesses, but also personally, like what can I improve? 
right? Like instead of like chasing and going and going and going, now I'm like, okay, I'm already here. There's nowhere to go. Like, let's go, let's fix all the things that could be better. You know, like let's polish things. Let's refine these things. Mm -hmm. And after being, you know, working with most of my team, like my management level team, working with most of them since the beginning, if not like seven or eight years now, you know, we know each other like family. And if we're all going to continue to do this job together, then how do we make it better? You know, how do we change with the times? So that's inspiring to me now is just like trying to, to improve on what I've already built. Yeah. And, and also like, you know, obviously nobody wanted COVID and nobody wanted this horrific, you know, global pandemic where lives are being lost at a rate that it's just like unimaginable. But I think it's also been an extremely powerful tool to just reflect mm-hmm. on what we actually need yeah you know yeah that it. is that it i don't <laughs> i mean i can go on forever that's sort of like where my mind goes right now i mean yeah no 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 it's great i'm not saying that is not enough i'm just asking like is that like what do you feel because i feel like in the very same way I'm the same as you, like fortunately enough, we have the ability to travel and that was always my out because Singapore is very small. Hong Kong is really small. Yeah. And it gets, I mean, it's, it is a concrete jungle by itself. You know, it is very fast paced. There are a lot of people, everybody's very close together and um, nature fuels me. So going out there and being around nature is what actually fuels me, gives me creativity. And like you said, like being stuck here is not such a bad thing because it made me go inwards and actually learn how to love myself a bit more, to be honest. I feel like a lot of me in the past when I traveled was also a form of escape. Not so much mm-hmm. escape, but like having the option of escaping and running and seeing this beautiful nature and now not having that, um, like you said, to go inwards and, and do I really like this person that I see in the mirror, that kind of thing. And then working on being a better person and also working on being less judgmental, working on just being more open to people, which is why I started the podcast thingy. So I definitely understand what you're saying. And and also, like you said, like to get to, to know the people who are really around you a little bit better, like, cause you hang out in smaller groups, you know, you get, yeah. to, you find out things that, Hey, I didn't know that about you. Cause back in the day, everyone's busy with the schedule. You meet for dinner, it's two hours, you're done, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Or you're just like going for drinks or you're somewhere yeah. random, right? Like you're kind of forced to be more intimate, I think with people. And get to know which people. I like. Yeah. Okay. And with that, let's see. Let's do the ending part. Okay. You can do the closing since you did the opening. Um, thank you so much for tuning in to Arch Conversations with Steph and Lindsay Jang. Thank you, guys. Click subscribe, whatever you say. <laughs>